Hello guys, welcome to another edition of the podcast, kind of I think the first rugby player, very pleased to say that Gloucester's Gareth Evans joins me now. Gareth, good to see you, you've parked your massive uh, vehicle outside on my tiny drive, it's, it's looking good, are you well? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we've had uh, a sort of quiet couple of weeks, so boys have been getting away, having a bit of downtime, trying to recover as best we can, ready for the rest of the season. You've got Exeter up next, haven't you, which is, was that quite a daunting challenge for the club, because they're the lead in the way? Yeah, um, it's quite funny, it'll be, I think it's the fourth time we've played them this season, because they were in our pool in the in the Champions Cup as well, um, so in... I think it was the start of December. We played them, played them three times in four weeks, um, which was which was pretty tough going. Um, mm. But it's good. It's good to be getting back in the Premiership. Obviously, we've had a few weeks out of the Premiership, so uh, it's a pretty pretty hefty challenge to start us back off. Yeah, I live in in Cheltenham. That's where we're recording. You're not far away in, in near Gloucester in, in Long Levens. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because this part of the country sort of it's unique in a sense that it's it's very much rugby union dominated you're from I know from Swindon where you're originally and just down the road and got Exeter Bath and Bristol are kind of yo-yoing a little bit and, and Worcester up the road it's it's a real stronghold of, of rugby union yeah definitely um it, it is it is kind of a funny one I remember when I was younger watching football on the tv and I mean back then Swindon actually were were quite good I remember watching them play Man City when I was about <laughs> six or seven it was when the Premier League was probably before you can remember, but like 93, 94, yeah, that, that yeah, time, yeah. Yeah, so that was quite bizarre. But then, obviously, they, they got relegated a few times, and it was always, where's, where's the nearest football team? And I, I played quite a lot of my rugby in Somerset as a kid, and it was like, where's, where's the nearest football team? There's, there's no, there's yeah. no like, and like, premiership teams. It's like, where's the nearest premiership team? Absolutely miles away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, rugby rugby is, you'd have to say, probably the main sport in the Southwest, and Especially in Gloucester, it's it's a, it's a huge part of of the city's sort of identity. I think. Yeah, it is because that identity, I suppose, is an old cathedral town. So it's sort of in the past. The rugby's the the modern day thing. Is it? Do you do you feel that passion for for the sport every day when you when you when you go around? Yeah, I think so. Um, I you, you you do get people sort of um, sort of not so much stopping you in the street but sort of offering words of encouragement um <laughs> like just saying hello um yeah. it does it does always throw me um when when a random person in the supermarket say says oh hi gareth unlucky at the weekend <laughs> or something like that and you're looking around like yeah who's that person that's good when you get a name, name it's good when you get a name recognition because sometimes yeah. working at sky i'm not in a blue suit i just get funny looks from people <laughs> and it's all they can't they can't quite place you so it's uh it's good that they get the name yeah, well, I'm not. I'm not certainly not as famous as a lot of our boys, so it doesn't happen all that often. Danny Cipriani, if you're yeah, with I, him. I can't even imagine what it must be like for him. It must be. It must be pretty brutal. I don't think I'd. I'd enjoy that all that much. I think he's riding some of the benefits. I've seen him on TM Lewin in the the high street. I think in Cheltenham in the in the window there. Yeah, doing a bit of modelling. Well, so there's there's got to be pros <laughs> and cons as well, isn't there? Yep. Um. So yeah, but yeah, for me, like that doesn't happen very often, as I said. But every now and again, somebody somebody recognises you and. Says hello, and it, it still it throws me. I'm like, I know that <laughs> but you do meet people around here. Who, it, they revolve around you know King's Home and those nights at Gloucester and the, the Saturday games as well. It's a big part of the community. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we always talk about how lucky we are in that in that our fans are are so passionate, and we always say that we we feel like at least we've got probably the best fans in the country. Mm. Um, they're always so loud and vocal at King's Own, but they travel incredibly. Like when that the game we played away in Casts, um, what was it now? Probably a month ago. 
the the amount of Gloucester shirts and Gloucester fans in in the stadium, it like it, yeah. it never ceases to amaze. <laughs> they they travel so well, and it it means such a lot to the players. Yeah, Gloucester City as well. The football team, I think, have not even had a home for a few years. They play at Evesham United, non-league team. So I suppose there's there's not so much competition in that. The cricket club plays down in Bristol, don't they? So it's a, a lot of focus on you guys. What is the life overall of a professional rugby player? How do you evaluate? Is it is it good fun? Is it strange, surreal? We we're talking before about how people maybe don't know the ins and outs of of it because it's uh, it's kind of people sometimes expect it to be maybe more glamorous than, than it is. Yeah, I mean. It's it's a, it's a tricky one. I think there's there's quite a big difference between your your England internationals, those guys who they are they are superstars. Like the yeah, international rugby gets so much press, and it, it's it is now sort of a global sport. And then you come down to the guys that are sort of plugging away in the Premiership. Um, maybe don't don't play every week. That sort of thing. There is there is quite a big contrast, um, but. In terms of a lifestyle, like for me, I grew up playing rugby as a kid. Yeah. My dad took me along for my first sort of training session. I think it was the week before my fourth birthday or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> um, and he said I'd been I'd been tackling things in the house from before I, since before I could walk. So it's always been something I've done. It's, it's what I love doing. So to be able to do it as a job. Yeah. I have to feel very lucky. Um, as I get a bit older and. I start sort of staying sore for a bit longer after games. <laughs> You're only 27, to be fair. So. Well, yeah. Um, you do start to see... It's accumulative as well with the, yeah, the wear and tear, I guess. definitely, definitely. You do start to see that maybe it's not all sunshine butterflies, as it, as it were. Um, and, yeah, like, there's... Of course, it's great being able to play the sport that you love for a living. Like, it's fantastic. It's like, ha- do you always appreciate... Is it, it's something that to sort of stop yourself and think that you are going... Because I always find this when I, you know, sort of failed football or really, I go to watch, you know, Chelsea's training sometimes at Cobham or you go to a press conference and you still think, wow, these guys are getting to do this for a living to, to play sport. And I know there's added pressure with, with professionalism and stuff like that, having to do it for a living, but there is a sense that you still play a little bit every every day. Yeah, it's... It is quite often, I think, worth sort of giving yourself that reality check um, because there are days where you're like, don't actually like this very much. This, <laughs> this is pretty horrible, especially in the winter. Yeah. Um, freezing cold, rolling around in the dirt outside and you come <laughs> back into the change room and you hurt and you're cold and you're muddy and you sort of think, that that wasn't really all that fun. Is there a standard week or is there a, is there a day that you have? Because you know you, you're here on a Wednesday that typically Wednesday's a day off. Is there a day that's particularly brutal in terms of training? Yeah, Tuesdays. Tuesdays <laughs> normally. So what's um, that? That's kind of the midpoint between the the games. Yeah. So our week, our week, well for us at least, is always is always structured largely the same. Say the games on a Saturday. We'll come in on a Monday. Everyone's still pretty sore, so. We do like a bit of a mobilise in the morning, get the body moving. Um, quite a few meetings on a Monday, review the game, that okay. sort of stuff. Start to look ahead to the next week's opposition. Um, is, that, is that a general kind of review or do they go into individual performances? In, so in we that one? will do like a forwards-backs split. Yeah. So the forwards will review scrums and lineups and stuff. The backs can review their stuff and then we'll come together for a more a more general team one. Um We'll get in the gym and then we'll get out on the field, um, have a bit of a loosener and start to sort of, we call it an install. So we we go through our plays and stuff for 
the coming game. Um, really low key. Mm. The guys that didn't play might might sort of top up at the end with a bit of extra running or something. Um, but it's it's quite a low key day on a Monday. Um, and sort of recovery options in the afternoon, sort of your massage and like yeah. a lot of us. A lot of us get to the pool. It's a nice perk, um, <laughs> massage. Yeah, well, it, people always say this, but I don't know if you've had much sports massage. Oh, it's the deep, it's, deep it's stuff. It's yeah. not all that fun for the <laughs> most part. Um, but it does help. It makes you feel a lot better, so it's well worth doing. Yeah. Um, and then we come back in on a Tuesday, and it's like, right, you've you've had your sort of recovery day. We're ready to go now. Um, and Tuesdays where we'll we'll gym again. We we have our meetings like every day and sort yeah. of go through more specific stuff on the Tuesday that we're gonna work on in training. And then the Tuesday training session we'll do sort of it'd be um, that'd be when we get our contact work in if we are going to do it. We don't do it every week. Mm. Um, it, the coaches sort of evaluate how the players are physically. Yeah, do they te- um, cause they talk about this in football, don't they? Sort of muscle fatigue and things they can evaluate and, and kind of yeah. work out how close people are, the red zones and all this, this yeah, kind of exactly. stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the level of um, detail that our staff go into in terms of looking at what we're doing and how how our bodies are is fantastic. We are, we're really well looked after. Um, whether it's our GPS, so they top up how far you're running yeah. and it'll get to a point and they'll say, right, we we've run a bit bit much we need to taper it off a bit sort of thing um or the physios we do we do monitoring like in the morning and you do various tests and if your scores are poor mm-hmm. then you'll do extra sort of treatment or whatever it is and then if it's bad enough they might pull you from certain aspects of the training okay. to, to look after you that sort of thing um so it's it's a constant it's a constant balance between yeah. being at, at your sort of optimum peak performance levels and not just pushing it too far so that people start to break down yeah I mean that's the thing is it's interesting because the comparison with football was professional since the 19th century but it's been so relatively recent for rugby sort of 20 odd years and it's a lot of it's come along with sports science and it's been kind of revolving around the research and the physicality side of it isn't it is that a huge part is it almost quite an education to be a rugby player to learn about nutrition weightlifting that that aspect of it is a big focus on that yeah it's massive um and for me, I it's it's one of the parts that I find incredibly interesting. I've been, I'm in my eighth season now as a professional, and I've had a few different sort of strength and conditioning coaches, um, and their different approaches and the different techniques that they bring in, what they prefer guys to do, it, it is very interesting. And our our head of S and C at the moment, a guy called Dan Tobin. Mm. He he came across from Leinster, so obviously okay. he was part of a hugely successful team there. Came across to us. That's strength and conditioning, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sort of completely overhauled our whole fitness and strength programs. Um, and he's I can't speak high enough of him. The the level of detail he goes into with everything that we're doing is it's incredible. And you just have to like he he's well. <laughs> He's, you, you could almost say he's quite smug at this point because he came in and sort of assessed everyone and we did we did various sort of fitness and strength tests. Yeah. And he was like, right, this is this is where we need to get to to be able to perform how we want to perform. Um, and he put this program in place and implemented it and got us all doing these various um, sessions of whether it's weights or running or 
power or whatever it is and sure enough everyone's scores started to creep up <laughs> um, and at the start of his second season he was able to go this is where you all were when yeah. I arrived look how much better you all are now wow but that's, but that's hard though isn't it because everyone gets that even when they start exercising and they haven't done for a while you get that burst where you suddenly get rapidly yeah. better and then you realise like, I've tried to change just obviously recreationally gym routine because I realised I was doing the same thing for about 15 years you do the same routine when you go to the gym and think you sort of plateau with it it's quite hard for, for those camps to get more and more out of you to get stronger and stronger when you've been doing it for 10 years arguably you'd think peak, peak performance isn't it yeah definitely and and like you said it's it's combating that sort of plateau effect and one thing that our strength and conditioning coaches are great at is we do all our sort of weights programs on like a four week cycle so oh, you'll okay. have a program you do for four weeks and then it's a different exercise you do, primarily yeah you'll do yeah. something different and um we track quite a few different um sort of targets so we look at or well i say we dan's the <laughs> expert he looks at sort of your your base strength so for us, we measure a um, box squat oh, okay. as a straight strength indicator. So that's legs rather than upper body you look at mainly, yeah? Yeah, yeah. We, it's quite funny, actually, like the, the upper body stuff is not, it's not as, it's not necessarily seen as important because we run about, we're power athletes, and the majority of that is, is produced by your lower body so it's not loads of bench um, press and sort of vanity, no, we vanity do, exercise. Yeah, we don't do a huge amount of vanity. And <laughs> it's one thing we always... I was actually talking about it with one of the boys of the day. Like We go to David Lloyd. Yeah. And you'll see guys that look massive and ripped. <laughs> and then they'll start lifting. You're like, well, he's not actually that strong. All right, yeah, yeah. And it's because we do a lot of strength weights. Yeah. So like our uppers, at the moment, we're doing sets of three. Yeah. And you're not going to put on size doing that. You're not going to bulk up and get really big. Yeah, but you don't. But you don't but want we to don't be necessarily really. want yeah. to exactly. Because yeah. um, you have to be able to run around relentlessly. Yeah, for eighty minutes. And so we track more stuff like our squat. Um, and Dan always hammered, hammered into us that we need to be able to squat double body weight. Yeah. Um, wow. Which yeah, you lift like, for some <laughs> of our boys, like some of our big boys, they're moving some serious weight about. <laughs> Yeah, because um, how much would they weigh? I know you, you're probably doing kilos. But do you know what it is in stone that it might be? Uh, we've we've got a couple of boys that are pushing twenty stone. Wow. Um, yeah. It's not like twenty stone just to stand there and lift weights either. That's to to be mobile. Yeah, they have to carry about the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, CV fit. Yeah, I do always think when we do our running stuff, um, like I'm, I'm sort of just under eighteen stone. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I like to think I'm fairly mobile for a forward. But you carry it well, to be fair. You're six three. You don't seem this is the thing a lot of people always say they say oh how much do you weigh and I tell them and they're always very surprised yeah it's we're very very dense yeah. sort of like with all the gym stuff we do um, yeah we're very dense and we're not sort of well um, our nutritionist um, James Hudson yeah he's, he played obviously um, he's now he's he's another guy that we've got that's fantastic he's so passionate about it um and he'd probably tell tell well tell a lot of us that we're carrying too much fat really um but yeah he works really hard to get us in good condition i guess it's a fine line for you guys you talk about the, the blokes in the gym that we go through and david lloyd that are really cut from granite like that but often a lot of people are sort of negative energy aren't they not eating that much whereas i suppose the fat thing you, you've still got to consume a lot of calories to to be a professional rugby player because you've got a huge amount of output so you can't really think how's my stomach looking as much as how much you know, how, how much energy is in my legs 
Yeah, like you said, it's it's definitely a balance, and um, I mean, I eat a lot. There's there's guys <laughs> that eat a lot more than me, and it's all it's always personal stuff. Like yeah, because everyone's different, and I think that's one of the the biggest things I've noticed. Like being around rugby, it's like we've got guys that sort of struggle to keep the weights on, for example. Really. Um, Your metabolism is high. Yeah, like Lewis Ludlow, for yeah. example, he's a great example. Honestly, you should see the amount of food <laughs> he eats. It's insane. His plate is literally heaped up at every meal. So he has to eat more carbs than some of you would eat and things like that. Yeah, and, but yeah. he's allowed to because A, he can run forever um, and B, he, if he doesn't, he just the weight falls off him. Wow. Um, whereas other people don't necessarily need to eat as much of the carbs and they can keep the weight on fine because that's just how their body works. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think having we've James as a full-time nutritionist is invaluable because he can sit down with you, get to know your individual yeah. needs, and give you the sort of advice. So, to, you, do you eat at the club one or two meals a day? How does it? How does yeah, it work? so we'll have breakfast and lunch um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, which are our main training days, and then we just we normally just do like a sort of light um, team run on a Friday, and we get lunch after that as well. Mm. Um, and then what happens when you go home then is you, does your wife have a yeah. sort of like 15 chicken breasts for you or how's it play no. out um, yeah we yeah I, I well to be fair in, in, in my household at least I, I quite enjoy cooking so oh, yeah. we, we split that quite well um, but yeah certainly certainly eat more probably than a, than a normal person would but does, she, does she mind having the sort of meals that you have to have for your for your job or well it yeah it's something it's something that we've we've had to sort of look at quite a lot because obviously if i'm cooking i'm cooking what i need and so yeah. i'll be cooking and it'll be like a very like a high protein meal a lot of the time and obviously my wife's not a professional player she doesn't need yeah that protein so she either sort of just adjusts the portions but quite often we eat separate meals really, yeah. um a lot of the time it's just a question of balancing do, do you enjoy the food that you have to eat or is it does it feel like part of the job when you when you when you're having it no because it's it's like you you can always make it more interesting that like it's not a case of you just have to eat yeah plain chicken breast and broccoli and egg whites like, yeah exactly yeah. like that's not that's not that's not us at all. I mean, I suppose psychology has to come into it as well from the nutritionist's perspective that you have to sort yeah, of have massive, a level of enjoyment massive. from the food, otherwise you're going to get sort of down about it. Yeah, and and again, James is really good at that. He he will sit down with you and he'll go through sort of meal options, and he we have a we have a WhatsApp group that he runs and he sends out sort of recipes, yeah, um, that sort of thing, and it's one that he's he's quite almost relaxed with what you're eating as long as you're meeting your fueling requirements yeah. um he's not really bothered what it looks like yeah, so, a lot of people now sort of talk about vegans and uh, veganism and things like that do, do you have any kind of people that follow specific dietary habits outside of it or do you have to be quite flexible as a rugby player to to consume bits of everything I, yeah i think i think you have to be quite flexible i mean we don't have any i think we had a couple of guys that went um went vegan for for like a month yeah. during the season um and they did it and they were right and but they they got bored because it was hard work yeah um so you have to plan ahead a little bit more than yeah massively and i think it's the big part especially being vegan for us is 
like your protein needs. Where'd you um, get that from? Yeah. Yeah. Where are you getting that from? Um, and it's doable. Of course it is. Um, but it is that much harder. Yeah. Um, you can't just say, oh, I need some protein this meal. We can't have dairy, can you? Even to, to, to rep, yeah. To rep, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you have to be quite flexible. Um, I think the person we have that struggles the most is Ollie Thorley. Um, really? Yeah, he's allergic to all kinds of stuff. Um, really? So yeah, like everything we have, there's quite often like a this is for everyone. What for gluten this and is, this dairy? Is, this or... is for Ollie. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just yeah. Um, nuts and off things. Off the top of my head, yeah, nuts. There's I can't, I don't I don't know. Yeah. But there's a lot of because nuts stuff. are a good source of protein potentially. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah. Um, but he's yeah he's got all kinds of allergies and it must be a pain in the backside because yeah. he has to be so switched on and I you hear him sort of almost daily being like oh. Yeah. Has this got that in? Is this? Well, it's an interesting conversation because some people say, you know, sensitivities that some of us have. Like, I don't know, if I drink too much milk, I feel a bit sensitive to it. But you know, there's people that genuinely are allergic. And here are people that if you open a packet of nuts within twenty feet of them, they're likely to have a reaction or something yeah. like that. So it's different levels of of sensitivities, isn't it? And allergies. Yeah, and and yeah, you, you can't be careful enough with it, can you? Like, no. I know Ollie um, is is like that with nuts. You, he can't really be near them um, <laughs> and yeah it's you have tricky. to be aware of that as well as teammates exactly yeah. Um, yeah you have to yeah and you have to respect that that it's, it's his health and his safety at the end of the day so yeah it is it's I mean we're very lucky we're in a professional environment and it's all provided for us yeah um, at the club um, and we get so much good advice and all that stuff that it's it's fairly simple for us to do at home um, obviously it does get hard especially when you're tired you're sore <laughs> you sort of you get home yeah. and you just want to lie on the sofa and you don't really want to move because your body hurts and you're like oh, I need to cook myself some food Yeah. and of course it's that well what's easier to cook something really nice and healthy or something really quick Yeah. Um, or do I just sort of call a takeaway sort of thing <laughs> and that that does that's probably the hardest bit is that mental side because that's a micronutrition with takeaways isn't it all the oils and stuff in there as well presumably it's not yeah, good for recovery and no um and sort of the big one like obviously attached to rugby is that sort of idea of a drinking culture in rugby and yeah we get told all the time that alcohol is so bad for your recovery really like, yeah but has that has that massively changed then has it since even your time has been at what seven years as a professional is it yeah, so lessen the I amount think, of drinking that, that happens, or because I suppose there is this, like a psychological team bonding aspect to yeah, those nights out as well. And I think I think the biggest sort of um, difference, probably to in the past, is that we won't we don't drink regularly. Certainly, I don't. Like mm. as far as I'm aware, boys, you don't drink all that often. Um, yeah, and because it, it's just not it's not good for your body sort of yeah. for your recovery and stuff when you're constantly um sort of tearing those muscle fibers in the gym and and getting tired out in the field it, it it's scientifically yeah. proven and i know personally that well you're probably the same like you have a few drinks and you don't feel great the next <laughs> no time. i'm terrible on it, so yeah. if you already don't feel great and you do, some, just, some people seem to be just, okay but just yeah, delay, yeah. Yeah, yeah and but it just it just delays that recovery. So if you're if you're banged up, it just it just slows down that recovery process. And where we've got to play every week, yeah, and you've got to recover and then build up again every week. It just you don't have those no. that extra day 
It's a big, yeah. big shift, isn't it? I remember even when I was at university at Loughborough, I mentioned those people like Sam Vesti and a guy called Charlie Cooper, I think, went had a professional contract at Leicester afterwards, didn't had a knee injury, didn't last too long. Um, but th- that time, even at Loughborough University, it was a good rugby programme, but I knew the guys, the initiations were like absolutely terrible. People would be ill for about, you know, two weeks afterwards. But that sort of cult, I suppose, has to has to be set against the proper professionalism which is which is coming over the last decade or so yeah definitely um and i'm not i'm not saying that we don't drink because we do um and but i think for me at least and the way i think a lot of guys do it we organize organize a social sort of say we've got a friday game and then mm. we're not playing until the saturday or even the sunday so you've got that extra day yeah then we can get together, we can go out, we can all have a few drinks, mm. get that sort of team bonding, sort of socialising bit, um, and it doesn't then affect. Yeah, I suppose you can do team bonding in different ways, like go out for lunch or yeah, whatever, course, or go to yeah, the gym, like you said, and the day off. And... Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like for us, like we don't have like a big drinking initiation because that would come in pre season yeah. when it's the sort of toughest physically in terms of your training yeah um, how does that how does that work for you because yes. how long is the summer break for you guys indeed we get five weeks yeah um came into our contracts a couple of years ago mandatory five yeah. weeks that you you must have um away from the club um no training um well no training with the club like we we get i was gonna say do you have to tick over a little bit to otherwise it's a bit of a shock when you go yeah back. yeah i mean i i did i always used to think it was a bit silly that we'd get sent away for our off time and then you'd get a schedule for pre-season and day one would always be testing. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, if you're sending you me off on holiday, like, I'm yeah. not going to be in amazing shape. <laughs> no, so we, we under Dan, he's really good. We get like a full um, five-week training programme and for us, we get the first two weeks is just put your feet up and okay. relax and recover. Yeah. Um, walk your dogman. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, walk the dogs about as, about as stressful and... Um, energetic I get in those two weeks um, and then it sort of slowly yeah build yourself back up so it's mainly just non-contact stuff to be yeah. away from isn't it for your body to recuperate yeah and we we sort of you don't start doing contact straight away in pre-season um, yeah because does your body because I even know just from playing little bits of football when you haven't played particularly 11 side for a while just you suddenly come off afterwards and you've had like little tugs little knocks and obviously it's not being tackled like in rugby but your body almost loses a resistance to it boxers talk about that as well their face even the facial tissue loses a yeah. resistance to punching massively um, I found like where I didn't I, I had a pretty sort of poor two seasons in, in terms of playing time and then mm. I played um, sort of 12 games since just before Christmas, the first the first sort of three four weeks, yeah, like I couldn't get out of bed the next morning. Really, like it's it's horrendous. Like your body, it's yeah, it's just, just reaction to just, impact. Yeah, yeah, you're just not used to it. You're just not used to the level of impact because um, you can't replicate the impact of a Premiership match in in training, presumably because no, it'd be dangerous to no, try and do that. Not even close. Like we, um, I said Tuesday is our big training day, and I think. On, on what would we we would call sort of the toughest Tuesday we do, yeah. It's probably only maybe ten minutes of of sort of live contact, yeah. And it's there's still that element of like guys, go, guys other, yeah. going for it, but there's a little bit still sort of in reserve. Well, it must be bad either to get injured or to injure someone else. Must be kind of a yeah, horrible of course, feeling. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, you never want to sort of injure somebody else and the the thought of getting injured in training is 
pretty sort of tough because yeah you just feel like well yeah that wasn't really necessary um how, how did you how did you cope with the those seasons like so when you haven't had the game time you've wanted to because it's a bit like I guess any substitutes in any sport but maybe replacement goalkeepers or people that you have to keep training you have to keep preparing but not knowing necessarily in the starting fifteen what's the psychology of that like you must grow as a person through that that period in a sense yeah I think it's 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 tough um, so for me last last season I played. Um, I played three first team games and they were all in what is now the Premiership Cup. It was the Was that as a starter or was that yeah. That was the I start I started those three games, but that's that's the sort of um junior competition where yeah. like the, the Academy players get a run out, so it's not it's not sort of full full noise sort of thing. Yeah. Um But you have to train throughout the week as if you are potentially gonna yeah, play to you. Yeah, yeah. and you you train you train every week all year um wanting to play hoping to play um and for us team selections normally tuesday morning team meeting before we go out and train and so at least you have more notice i suppose than footballers but then i guess things can still still change yeah, in things, days. things do change yeah i mean i remember i once um I was reserve. I was. I was. We we talk about having twenty fourth, the twenty fourth man. Yeah. It's like it's like the one that no one no one wants to be. It's always a prop because you have to have a prop in reserve. Oh um, yeah, for health and safety for this. Yeah. Scrum. Um, but quite often, if guys are carrying niggles, then we'll have other sort of reserves. And I was, I was twenty seventh. I was twenty seventh man. <laughs> um, so I'm going through the sort of second half of the training week. Like, this seems a bit silly. Like. Do I really need to be yeah. like doing this, and do I need to really go to the game? But then you don't want it to be held against you if you're not well, of course, not yeah. showing so enthusiasm. You're trying, to, you're trying to sort of get switched on, but at the same time, you can't quite yeah. do it because you're like, well, chances I'm not, are your brain's your brain's been rational. Next thing I know, guy goes down in the warm up, and the coach decides that he doesn't want the guy he's got on the bench to start in that <laughs> position. So I end up starting. <laughs> Um, so it's complex. The coaches are going through complex scenarios. Yeah, of course, because, yeah, because they like because obviously it's, they see every player as having different sort of skill sets. Yeah, um, that are be- better suited to different situations. Um, and this concept of finishers and things like that, as well as like some people are becoming more specialists, yeah, like the super stuff yeah, you see in it's, football. It's it is quite a hard one to break out of. Um, I don't know. Um, a good friend of mine I went to college with Dan Robson he's just got his first England cap oh, yeah. he was a, he was obviously at Gloucester um, and the kind of player he is he's electric around the breakdown he's very quick like he's great in open play mm. um, and he was coming off the bench for us because we had Greg Laidlaw at night yeah, he's yeah. our captain <laughs> he was our goal kicker yeah. Scotland captain yeah. like fantastic leader um, and so Dan was he was he rarely started he was coming off the bench a lot but he was able to come off the bench and yeah. lift the tempo of a game because somebody that's that quick when everyone's tired is that much more dangerous sure and so he did this for a couple of years and he almost got a reputation of being very good off Dan's the bench Dan's played a lot of sevens as well did he play yeah, yeah, he yeah. Played, played a lot of the premiership sevens um, because he's he's well suited to it because of his skill set yeah um, but you almost end up having that reputation of like, oh no, I don't want to start him because if I bring him off the bench, I know he can win me a game in the yeah. last 20 minutes. And <laughs> it's very hard to, once once you've got that sort of reputation, 
it's very hard to break out of that. Yeah. And for a coach, like, I guess the coach is thinking that you're almost his sort of card up his sleeve, like yeah. his ace in the hole sort yeah. of thing, that he can, if it's not quite working, he can chuck you on and you'll make some magic happen. And but he it, maybe doesn't a, want but to But that's a more that difficult up. pressure in a way than being a starter well, where you're just expected to yeah. hold your own. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, yeah, there, there's very different aspects to both sides. Because it's, oh. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy as well, isn't it? There's a moment, like, say, when you're out at the starting team because you're not you haven't got the, you've got a disadvantage you haven't got that regularity say of, of playing every week of the physicality of it but also the technical side of it and just that routine and, and rhythm so it's it's harder to come in and hit the ground running yeah definitely um and say when you're on the bench you obviously you do the same warm-up before the game but you're very conscious that you're not building <laughs> for the same point that everyone else is like everyone yeah. else is sort of building themselves up to that first whistle whereas you like for me personally I always feel like I can't afford to build to that point because then I'm sat and if I try and maintain that point yeah, you can't do it and you drop off a bit so then you come on and you almost feel a bit undercooked yeah um, so you're course, trying to sort of just sub peak every week rather yeah, than peak and because you don't know when you might come on it, it is tricky like you're trying to get just shy of your optimum sort of state to yeah. perform and give yourself the opportunity to just tip yourself over that edge yeah. at a moment because like being in the work. zone they need a certain amount of arousal don't you adrenaline but you don't want too much you don't want to sit on the bench amped up and then be tired by 70, it, exactly, 70 minutes yeah exactly and it is it's a tricky one to balance um, and it's very different starting like if you're starting you know exactly when yeah, that point, and is. just go all out, all out, and you can just yeah, you just yeah. go all out, and if you don't make it to eighty minutes, then you know that the coach will yeah bring someone else on. Like it's it's it is easier in that respect, but then at the same time, obviously, there's a lot of pressure of starting. Sure. Um, I don't know if there'd be any stats to support it, but certainly from my point of view, the opening twenty minutes of a Premiership rugby game, the the intensity level is very different to the last 20 minutes yeah like the first 20 minutes the sort of for me as a forward like the, the situations I'm in the holes aren't aren't as big yeah they, they probably don't exist in yeah the first 20 so you played at what flanker or, or eight do you yeah anyway yeah. I, yeah I'm half playing in the back row and I have this season yeah I've played six seven and eight um, wow quite, quite and that's the basically all times. action position isn't it flanker yeah, it? yeah. just yeah you, you're expected to be very fit and and the idea is to sort of have as many involvements as possible. Yeah, um, you're almost a sort of conduit from the backs to the, the fo- or forwards to the backs, really, aren't you? Yeah, sense? yeah, you're always, like, I think the most notable one of that is in defence. Like, we always try and have you sort of your front five and then your back rows and yeah. then your backs. So one minute as a back row, you might be defending a pick-and-go and just throwing yourself at a brick wall that's somehow moving towards you. And the <laughs> next minute, you might be defending their backs in open space in a wide channel and who are, could be tricky runners who, could speed, be, yeah. who are almost certainly faster than you <laughs> definitely haven't been doing the same brick wall kind of stuff you've been doing for yeah. the previous sort of 50 minutes um, and yeah like it's it's it's, so it's kind of an all-rounder in a way you have to be a bit you, yeah, yeah you have to be able to cope in yeah a very wide variety of situations um, and that obviously makes it 
pretty tough. But the t- um, team dynamic, we talked about camaraderie, is interesting in that terms of selection, isn't it? I and mean, it's like everything, I suppose, it's working, even at Sky Sports News. For me, you want the big slots, but you, you're you with a team, so you've got that sense of community as well. But everyone's competing in a sense. How, how does that work in the, in the rugby club? Is that an interesting dynamic that people get on, or, or are there kind of obvious rivalries between people? Yeah, I mean, it is, it's hard. It is really hard because it is it's a team sport yeah and if you bring the mood down you're yeah not the, be, team, yeah, the team has well. to come first and all of that good stuff but at the end of the day it is our job yeah so you are you are sort of wanting the best for yourself so effectively can, a promotion or whatever. exactly yeah. yeah so that you can sort of earn as much as you can yeah whilst you're in the position to um so it is tricky and like we we joke about it a lot um we call it position hating um and it's it's a classic somebody will say something about somebody else and if they happen to be in the same position it's just it's position hating. <laughs> you're only saying that because you play so that's quite a good culture to have to keep it healthy as well yeah definitely yeah. um and you have to be able to sort of joke about it um but it's, it's difficult to deal with subjectivity isn't it i think everyone does their own job but anything's performance based particularly where it's not necessarily black and white on paper like he scored x tries or you know i suppose a standoff might be able to more analyze what you know how many kicks they've converted or whatever whereas for someone at your position it's maybe just it can be a preference of a of a particular coach because you've been through head coaches haven't you and that it's quite hard to to cope for anyone i think in any line of work yeah it is very tricky um like you said it's so subjective and so like for me last year i'm not playing and i'm watching our guys in my position and i might be thinking he didn't play very well. But you can't go and say to the but coach I can't, that. Go, I can't go and say that. I can't go and say, no, he's, he's not playing very well. Yeah. And at the same time, the coach might be thinking that he is playing well because he's doing what he wants him to do. Yeah. Which I might not see as being that great, but somebody else might. Yeah. Um, it's, it's what I was talking about in terms of everyone having different skill sets. Yeah. And there's a certain element for us with the coaches where they'll pick a team based on who we're playing based on how we want to play mm. and therefore who has the skill set that best matches yeah. that situation at that time. Yeah. Um, and do you, and so do you, do you sort of go and speak because it's difficult when you're not out, out of the team because you sometimes feel a bit you know, disenfranchised and, and not massively fond of the coach at that particular time. Do you go and try and, I guess, play the game like all of us in work? You have to go and speak to the boss and say, what do I need to do or, or that kind of thing? What, what can I, how can I improve? And even, even if you may not agree with, with what they're saying, it's a difficult balance. Yeah, it's... Because it's, you have to appear keen, don't you, as well? Yeah, and um, Johan um, Ackerman, our head coach now, he's, he always says he's very clear. He has an open-door policy. If you want to come talk to him, feel free he will yeah. sit down and talk to you and he'll be honest with you because he's um, been through it as a player hasn't he yeah exactly and I think that that does help because he'll have he'll have been dropped he'll have been not selected he knows how it feels yeah um, and he says it to us he's like I know I know that you all <laughs> want to play like um, and I know that nobody likes not being picked and then nobody likes not being selected and it's, it is good to be able to go and speak to them like you said you might not always agree with what he says yeah. Um, you have to show that you're considering but, it, and but yeah. well, you even if even if you just show that you're taking it on the chin, and I think for me the one I always try and do, I probably don't speak to him as much as I could, as much as I should, mm. because just I don't like the awkward conversations. But yeah. one thing I always try and do is I always try and sort of end with, is there something that you'd like me to improve on? Yeah. Is there something that 
if I got better at that I'd be more likely to play. Yeah. Um, to try and sort of make it constructive rather yeah. than just being, oh, well, I haven't picked you, I've picked somebody else. Yeah. Um, because of X, Y, Z. And you just leave it at that and you're a bit like, dejected from it yeah because you want to have confidence in your own ability I think it's like presenting on TV as well you want to have confidence in your own ability but you don't want to get it into a tit for tat like well that guy did this or made that mistake or, or whatever it might be you sort of have to have to try and keep it at a higher a higher level if you can yeah and I think for me personally at least if I get something constructive out of it where he might say I want you to go away and work on this aspect of your game yeah. I can say right I'm going to go away and train I'm going to focus on this I'm going to make sure I get better at this. And even if it isn't going to make a difference in selection, at least you're doing that extra bit to better yourself as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you something to focus on. Yeah. At, at, as a minimum, I guess. Yeah, for your own, for your own well-being as much as, as anything, I suppose. Yeah. We talked about perception and, and, and things, and, and also it's interesting working in TV as a perception that you live a glamorous lifestyle and you're you know, absolutely minted. And it's similar as you said to rugby because you see the, the headline contracts of uh, guys getting a million-pound contracts, but you, as you said before, there's a salary cap, it's an average. So is that is that something to wrestle with? And I suppose at the back of your mind, as a rugby player, I know Matt Dawson and people that straddled the amateur professionally are always talking about that with modern guys of that transition into the workspace because you haven't had an exposure to a workspace outside of rugby. Is that all part of your your thinking at, at the moment? You said it's hard for rugby players to do that, to, to get their head around that, that concept of, of transition, but it's sort of in the background. Yeah, I think I think it's almost the mindset that, like for me, I've I've played rugby for as long as I can remember. So you sort of think, well, I've, I've played rugby forever. Yeah. So why wouldn't I play rugby forever? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so the idea that at some point that's going to come to an end, and I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. Yeah. For a long time, it just didn't really enter enter my head. Um, so you've seen quite a few players retire of you. Have you talked about it yeah, with them about think, the process? Yeah. And I think that is, that's the first sort of, wake up call as it were is you play a few years and then maybe somebody that you've played with then has to retire and you see them yeah. go through that transition and you suddenly think oh, what am I going to do when that happens to me um, and that's sort of the first step and like these days careers are getting shorter and shorter um, I know there was a statistic from the NFL I read somewhere and it was Three years in a league or something. Yeah, the average yeah. the average career length was shockingly short. Yeah, because we we still see people like Tom Brady, don't you, and think, yeah, oh, it's it's twenty years. Forever. Yeah, and you think, oh yeah, it's great. And and there's always that. You almost kid yourself by, you see somebody playing, at your club, at another club in the Premiership that's thirty five. Yeah. You think, oh well, he's thirty five. I'll play till I'm thirty five. <laughs> there's no guarantee, of course, that's going to happen. No. Like these days, um, we're getting fewer and fewer guys playing into their thirties. Mm. Um, that's interesting. Is that that so? Despite all the conditioning, all the nutrition work, is that is that concerned think, with the way the game's being played? That that's that's more happening because of all the conditioning work. Yeah, because everyone is that much bigger, that much stronger, that much faster. But you, not you get older and you can't keep up. Yes, yeah. yeah, I think it a big part of it comes down to... So it's not injuries, it's more sort of speed, intensity well, based. I think I think it's it's a combination. You you get older and you recover slower mm. and you become more susceptible 
to injury. Um, yeah. And like we we talk a lot about. I mean, it varies again on position and on skill set, but your sort of peak performance from a purely scientific point of view mm. is somewhere in your sort of early mid twenties in really? terms of the point where you're going to be your most explosive because yeah. as you get old, you lose that elasticity. Yeah. And that stuff. So. So you can gain strength up until that point. Yeah, that, like yeah, you can keep gaining strength, and it's what it's one thing that I find so interesting is you compare different sports and that sort of point. That sort yeah, of like heavyweight peak. boxers is sort of early to mid thirties. Yeah, sometimes. And I, mean, and I watch I watch a lot of um, UFC, and yeah. there's plenty of guys in the UFC that, especially the bigger guys, that are peaking in their late thirties. Yeah, because it's an accumulation of ability and skill set and like, knowledge there's like a sweet spot between the psychological mental know-how yeah. and, and the physicality it's just trying to ride the crest of that wave yeah. and, and get them to, to peak at the right and, time and i think the way rugby is and how how the focus is becoming on that explosive power yeah the sort of peak age in terms of performance has probably come down a little bit and so if you start to lose that yard of pace Mm. whatever it might be it does have quite an impact but you, but you mentioned NFL and um, a lot of work obviously in concussion over there big film with Will Smith um, chronic traumatic encephalopathy but also just wear and tear of, of, of injuries knee injuries like you say hip injuries whatever it, it might be do you, do you do you feel that there will be a change maybe where people have talked about even making the pitch bigger didn't they so people ran for holes rather than people again and things like that because it's you know you're playing on the same pitch as, as guys who were lawyers dustbin men whatever beforehand you know that used to be yeah. play on a weekend that maybe they need to look at that maybe the, the game might emphasize ball skills and sort of elusivity more so that the longevity does does go up again it, yeah it's a tricky one i mean i know there was um i can't i don't know where it came from but we were talking about it just a couple of weeks ago that the idea was being chucked out there that we should play with less players on yeah. the field it's like rugby league um, yeah um, and all the time when you speak to like older fans and ex-players from sort of 30, 40 years ago, yeah. they always say, oh, back in our day, it was about running into space. Yeah. And these days, you, you guys just no don't space. do it. And, and we're there just like, yeah, that's because there isn't any space. Yeah, because they're twice like, as big and twice as yeah, fast. Everyone's, yeah, literally twice as big and twice as fast. The, the holes aren't there because people are more weight, more able to fill them. Yeah. Um, but if you reduce the number of rugby union from 15, any, A, you then compare it to rugby league, but B, then lose what you're talking about, the nuance between the different positions, don't you? Which is what's quite cool yeah. about the sport, that everyone's got a different role to yeah, play it in is, it. It's, it's a tough one. Um, and I don't, I don't really see a solution. Um, you were saying to me before we were chatting, before we started recording, that maybe some smaller guys are starting to come through that have got that physical strength, but also lower centre of gravity to maybe make those different types of breaks. Yeah, definitely. And I think the game has definitely sped up in the last sort of few years even. Um, and it has gone back towards a more sort of high-scoring game. And you look at the Premiership, and I remember when I was starting and other than the fact that there was a sort of bigger gap in the top teams and the bottom teams in the league. Yeah. I remember when we first, when I first started, there'd be a couple of games, like probably three, four games a season, where you just, oh, we'll win that easily. Mm. Whereas that doesn't happen anymore. There are no easy games in the Premiership. Um, yeah. It's that simple. But 
there is, I think, I think, and the stats might not back me up, but there is a lot more try scoring going on. Mm. Um, and the score lines are big. So they're trying to pass the ball out a bit more, maybe. Yeah, and I think, it, I think it almost got to a point where everyone got so big and strong that just engaging in an arm wrestle <laughs> became a sort of... There's also a financial side to it as well, isn't there, that people want to see well, a yeah, flowing... Tr- it's like yeah. a, everyone wants to see a touchdown in NFL, everyone wants to see an yeah. overhead kick in football, but in rugby you want to see a flowing move or yeah, maybe a winger of kind of skin, skin someone on the, on the touchline. Yeah, and I don't, know, I don't know if that did come into it, but I think from a playing point of view, like I said, it, it got to a point where the science and the strength and conditioning was so good there probably wasn't more than yeah. a couple of percent difference between teams and so you just got into an arm wrestle and so there's, was, there's more on like sort of moves is there that sort of passing yeah. moves to the backs well, and things now it just got away from people need to find a different way to win yeah because just expecting to be able to out muscle teams every weekend and if you then pick up injuries impossible. as a result, it's not worth yeah, the it, cost. Yeah, and it is a more attritional way of playing. And it just became not as effective, I guess. It's been um, talked about different types of tackling, isn't there? Laws about how you tackle and things yeah, like that. Yeah, there was the, a trial. They did a trial. Where was that? I can't remember what league it was in. On tackling below. Was, I think it was basically below the nipple as yeah. opposed to below the shoulder. And it was like below the armpit or something. Um, it's actually worked out worse in terms of concussion than... yeah I think because it used to be when I was a kid in the 90s you'd be I was playing inside centre at school you always tackle the ankles used to be the kind of well, thing yeah. they say yeah. and this is what this is what we get coached to do um, we get coached that the first man needs to go low mm. and take the legs um, but skill levels improved people are better at offloading yeah. Now, if you just get one guy to tackle somebody's ankles, they can still get the ball away. Yeah. So just trying to smother them. That's you? where, yeah. So that's where the tackling higher up became more popular. Which is more like American football, I suppose. Yeah. Well, but they sort of like push each other and yeah, tug and pull. And... It's weird. I mean, I watch American football, and yeah, they're incredible athletes, but I can't help feeling that their sort of ability to tackle yeah. in the open field. Is terrible. The hel- helmets complicate things. It must do. Thing, yeah. It must do. Like limit where, whether it's limiting your peripheral vision. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. Um, They're also quite dangerous in their own right. They hit, hit yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Disease. And there's the, there's the whole thing in NFL about um, leaving with the helmet, and that mm. became that became a big. Well, that's where they see a lot of their attacking. concussions are from head helmet to helmet. Yeah. Impact. Um, and it's tough because I think the biggest thing, education wise, that we found out with concussions in the last few years is that it's not the impact that gives you a concussion mm. it's it's your brain rattling about in your skull it's, yeah. it's the movement of your head yeah and the sort of the acceleration forces rather than just a yeah whack. that's that point of impact and yeah. wearing a helmet obviously <laughs> sort of doubles that because you get whacked and then not only is your head rattling around in your helmet yeah but your brain's rattling around in your head so it's that sort of twofold yeah. effect i guess um, yeah it's a strange one, that it's, but once someone wore helmet, everyone had to, because otherwise you just... Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's, it's safety, snowball. and I think in the NFL, it would be it'd be very interesting to see if they played without as much protection, yeah. without the helmets, what, what that did to the injury rates. Yeah, um, so it's almost like a commercial perspective, it would help the NFL, I know they're not doing badly, but players would become more well-known, because you don't actually recognise recognize yeah. players now. Yeah, probably, I mean... 
there's certainly there's a lot of NFL players that are very recognisable. I look at I look at um Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. He's got his yeah bright blonde hair. If he's running about on the field without a helmet on, he does the headline catches and stuff as well. You're, you're so, spotting yeah. him instantly, aren't yeah. you? From a mile away. Um, so yeah, I can I can see that side of it. But I suppose for for you as well, being a squad player, like you say, the frustrations of that dealing with that a sets you up to to maybe cope with adversity, but also I suppose there is an element of maybe you won't have the same physical issues going on as as other people that have played. I know you don't want to say obviously a competitive rugby player, you won't want to see that outline, but maybe your body will be in better nick when you when yeah, you do we retire. Do, we do joke about it. Um, we joke about stuff like that. We talk about miles on the clock, um, and a guy that's in a similar position. I mean, I'm so yeah. As I said, it's my eighth season. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know the exact number, but I've played, I think, mid eighties in terms of first team appearances for Gloucester. Yeah. And it's a lot more than most people will ever do, but yeah. But but in terms of how long I've been playing for, yeah, the average is out at. What, 10 games a season that's actually pretty low yeah um, Tom Savage a guy that played his first game the same year as me I think is coming up on 200 wow um, and how's he doing is he well he's he's, he's alright um, <laughs> he's managed to avoid too many serious injuries he's had a couple but yeah he's he's one of those guys he's 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 one of the hard well, men I don't it, think he'd yeah well, rugby has this. Rugby has this particular. I remember seeing Lawrence Delalio towards the time he was retiring at Q Q Gardens around the, the tube station, there. and he was just like dragging. I think his right leg behind him at the time, and you thought, "Wow, it's it's a brutal sport." But then you see Andy Murray in tennis, don't you? He's had all these hip operations. How's he going to be? Rafa Nadal's knees. Even Federer's had yeah. back operations. You do sort of wonder, as much as we sort of think professional sportsmen about oh, what's their what's their routine. I want to be as fit as those guys. You realise that the lifestyle isn't necessarily a healthy one. No, because. It's, I, and I think that's that's the sort of difference between fitness and mm. professional sport is that in professional sport we are pushing our bodies to the sort of maximum fitness level to then play the sport yeah. rather than simply being as fit as we can be. Yeah. Um, it goes back to what I was saying about guys you see in the gym. They look fantastic. Like they might be lifting good weights and be able to do whatever on a on a bench press or yeah. run for two hours on a treadmill at like a ridiculous pace and that's fitness because it's purely for sort of health I guess yeah and that aspect whereas for us we get us we get our bodies in the optimum condition to then take them apart really take them apart effectively yeah yeah yeah, yeah. hits the nail on the head that's and because it's a sport you're always, and it's that competitive nature, you're always going to end up pushing your body further than it's supposed to go. Yeah. Whereas in a purely fitness um, point of view, you're pushing your body as far as it can go to its limit. Mm. And at that point, you can't do any more, so you stop. Whereas in a sport, you can always you can always tell your body to do something <laughs> but it's probably not really supposed to. It's that adrenaline state though, isn't it? Yeah. You get into and it's what everyone says that when you play even five side football, you always feel more tired after that than going for a run because you just yeah. have that instinct to go for chase a ball and, and things and it's it's a drive. I mean Touchwood there's not doesn't seem to be as many serious injuries in, in rugby, but I'd cover a lot of boxing and it's interesting when you speak to guys about their wives, their partners, and when they have kids as well, it's a changing dynamic. Do, does your wife worry about the, the physical side of it, or is it is it less pronounced in rugby? How, do, how does she feel about the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, it's it is it's it's tough on her. Um, I, I told you before, I've now had um, 
four four surgeries. I had an ACL reconstruction. Um, I tore my syndesmosis in my ankle, ligaments that hold your tibia and fibula together. So I've got um, uh, two tight ropes. They call them two wires, effectively. Yeah. Going through, pinned on either side. Um, Forever. Yeah, yeah. They basically they do the job of the ligament. So that one actually is great because they do that, and then you don't need the ligaments to heal because okay. the wires are doing the job and it's stronger now than it was before. I actually did the same sort of mechanism as how I injured it a few weeks after my return to training. Uh, okay. Um, and I was absolutely fine. Oh, good. Um, like I, I went over my ankle and yeah. there was a guy behind me and I went to stand up and turned around and he was just looking at me and he went, <laughs> how are you okay? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Because of what happened to my ankle. The ankle like a robo, robo ankle. Yeah, yeah, and it was fine because, yeah. of, because of these wires I got put in. Um, I had a hernia repair, which wasn't very fun, but was very straightforward. I was I was back full training three weeks after that. Wow. Um, and I had a shoulder reconstruction. Um, and yeah, every time I go to surgery, my wife obviously is there when they give you the whole um, yeah. thing before they give you the anaesthetic, and because they obviously they have to say to you like. Yeah, do you and she wants you in good shape for the, the rest yeah, of your of life course, as well. Yeah, yeah. And, so you can do fun things when, yeah. you, when you're older. She doesn't like seeing me hurt. Um, I had a bit of a horror story with my ankle. Um, yeah, actually, the the wound ended up getting infected. Um, and I ended up actually um, basically got rushed back down to hospital um, and spent a week in hospital on a on an IV and having wow. antibiotics. Um, and I didn't know at the time. I didn't find my my wife didn't actually tell me, yeah, until probably a few months later. Um, that when when we got to the hospital, um, I got taken straight in for a for a scan to have a look at the extent of the infection and stuff. And yeah. um, whilst I was in there, the surgeon took her aside outside and said, um, "If this is if this is bad, we might have to amputate his foot." Wow. Um, you didn't even know it was that. I had, I, had, I had no idea that this conversation had took place. I had yeah. no idea that that was a thing. Um, and my wife had this conversation, came straight in to where I was and told me I'd be fine. And wow, credit to her, stuff, yeah. Like, no sign of anything on her yeah. face. And she didn't tell me about it for months. And I remember she, and she told me, I was just like, <laughs> how, how did you... Yeah hear that and then <laughs> come straight in being all positive so it's a good thing is that she must have you've been a rugby player all the time like, so even since a kid so she, yeah. it must have been always part of your life yeah. And yeah and yeah I've always I've, yeah she's known me I've always been a rugby player so she's she's used to me being fairly yeah. useless on a Sunday morning <laughs> um, yeah yeah she's used to it and that definitely helps like she's she's phenomenal she is fantastic like, but so it's just little things like you want to be able to run around with your kids when you have them and potentially and things yeah like that. of course yeah and i think that it does start to enter enter your mind as you get a bit older like mm. am i gonna end up doing sort of irreparable damage and i think it's not it's just being as sensible as you can be isn't well it? yeah i don't i don't think sort of i don't think the sport's quite at the stage where you're in you're really in danger of doing that yeah um, like the level of medical care we get is so good um you're always gonna well, get cause, yeah because the massive health up scale is the fact that you've probably ate 
well throughout your like say your twenties that other people haven't didn't do that would have eaten junk food would have so when yeah, you actually exactly. retire in some ways the interior health should be yeah. should be very good. Yeah, um, definitely. I think like like I was talking about earlier, our nutrition stuff, um, and even just the amount of training that we do, we yeah. are very healthy people. Um, and so, so I mean that seems a segue for you career wise. You seem very interested in nutrition and fitness. It seems a natural fit. Would it be something you'd like you'd pro- possibly get into? Do you see that? Yeah, I mean, Cause I don't, did you go to university before, or is that no? So that because that's a new thing. Yeah. Okay, this is just uh, part two of the chat to Gareth Evans. Got rudely interrupted there by a phone call. I think stopped recording. I got uh, shaken up from my wife's uh, dad. I think but we were just talking about potential future careers and and possibly nutrition being something you're interested in but I don't know if you've you have any thoughts about anything you'd like to do because I guess you want to be active as well because it's gonna to be tough to do a, a desk job after being so yeah. so outdoorsy yeah I mean one thing one thing I I talked about quite a lot um I'm really looking forward to retiring from rugby so that I can go to the gym and work out <laughs> pain-free like, get the vanity work in here well, yeah. I, I enjoy I enjoy I enjoy working out I enjoy exercising yeah. But as a rugby player, you spend so much of your time having to do it whilst sore or yeah. <laughs> fatigued. Um, like when we have our off season and like you get to have a couple of weeks feet up and then you get back in the gym. I love it. It's great. Because um, everything feels good Because everything feels good. good. Yeah. yeah. You're not hurting. Like you can, you can work out as hard as you want. Um, Probably feel like 10 years younger than you when you go back yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the difference it makes. You, I always say like you go back into pre-season and you just basically purely working on your fitness yeah. for the first few weeks um, and your strength and stuff like that. So you always, you come to the sort of... It's mid- like doing a car service, isn't it? Yeah, kind of you game. come to like the midpoint of pre-season and you are in your sort of peak shape that you can possibly be in and you feel amazing and you feel fast and you feel fit and you feel strong. It's great. It's honestly <laughs> great. Um, and then you start playing and because you're sore, you're, back, you're, just, you're just not able to keep up yeah, the same level of intensity in your workouts. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something. So would a personal trainer be something you'd be interested in doing, or would that mix yeah, work I and really, pleasure too I much? Really it's difficult, know. isn't it? Yeah, I think I think I'd probably like to do something separate from that because I I like to be able to go to the gym and yeah. just do what I want on my own. No well, a lot of people say about my job that they talk about football all the time, but they'd rather just do it as fun, not as a job, because it's almost yeah. like mixing the two sometimes, I think. Is yeah, the, I get that a lot as well. Like, I coach, I coach a team locally, I coach Cheltenham Saracens, and I talk to the boys um, when I'm at training with them, and I'm always talking about rugby, and oh, <laughs> you see this, you see that, and most of the time I'm like, no. I yeah, like, yeah. What do you mean? Like, yeah. And there was one the other day, they were asking if I'd seen the Munster Exeter game, I was like, no, I was playing. Yeah. Like, didn't you record it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You need I, a, we need a I break from rugby, it sometimes, yeah. I do yeah. rugby all day, every day, and I play rugby. I'm not going to then go home and yeah. watch all the matches I haven't seen. Like, you need you need something else, otherwise you, I think you just go mad. Yeah, I've got um, WhatsApp messages, always like 50 messages from my brothers, because I've got three brothers, they're all football fans, so it's yeah. like, you come from work talking about Man United, and you get kind of 50 updates about anything. <laughs> oh, God, I've had enough of talking about you know Mourinho or Solskjaer. Yeah, so I think, uh, for me, I would, I, I'd like to go into something completely different um and the thing i'm struggling with at the moment is i don't know what that is um i think i feel the same way as well with my career because i say tv is not a sort of job for life necessarily so you always have that in the back of your mind don't you what would you segue into yeah and it's i think it's almost a sort of downside of being so lucky and being able to play the sport that i love i've always loved to play as a job 
that I'm now like, am I going to find something else that I love that much? Yeah. Do you want to be 10 hours in an office every day and things like yeah. that? It's difficult. Like, I would have to really love whatever I was doing to yeah. do that sort of thing. So. And also, I suppose, because you probably had the option or, you know, come to contract when you always thought about leaving. I suppose the thing is you've got a wife, you've got a life as well. So you probably, I guess, think about building it relatively locally, don't you, rather than yeah. to nothing yeah. sticks. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of different things to weigh up. It's not as simple as they're offering more money or probably play more if you go there or mm. that sort of thing. There's so many different aspects. And I think because I've been here for a long time... Um, and it's not far from where I grew up, it does have that attraction. Like yeah. I know it, I'm used to it, I like the area sort of thing. And so, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of different stuff to weigh up and it then obviously affects what you might do afterwards because you think, well, where do I want to end up? Because yeah. say I left Gloucester and went to play for another club, well, when I then retire, I don't have to obviously, that I then no longer have ties to that yeah. place. So yeah. there's no need to stay there if I don't want to. I can... Come yeah. back to this area I can go wherever I want it's, yeah. it's it's an unknown but it's it's exciting because it's obviously a new opportunity but and when you've got other people in your life as well and like you say if you're not earning millions it's a difficult you can't say to them right well come with me and I'll look after you forever and it's you know everything's yeah, kind of, of easy so yeah. it's um, it's a lot to factor in isn't it yeah. it's, it's interesting the whole thing but I mean because my immediate thing is probably like it's obvious kind of superficial thing oh you could do fitness training but then I think well actually it's more about taking those attributes of being a competitor being in making a professional sport which is really slim in the first place so you can yeah. achieve that then to be in there and be a professional player for so long and to have all that psychological training which you could probably translate that into a completely different arena that you'd yeah. still be able to use those those mental variables right rather than just the kind of headline oh you could be a physical trainer which is you sort of jump yeah, to yeah definitely and that's I think that's the, that's the sort of thing that I'd love to do I'd love to be able to sort of apply the skills that I've acquired through being a rugby player yeah in something else like you look at stuff like work ethic like mm. and we we had a guy come in and talk to us and he said you guys operate in a very unique environment in that we're on like a effectively on like a weekly sort of critique and sort of judgment yeah scenario where like I said, Tuesday morning, we have a team meeting, team selected. So effectively, yeah. every Tuesday, your eyes are being judged to be good enough. Constant, good constant enough. evaluation, yeah. Yeah, and it's so uh, what can I then do to improve? And so we have that, you have that sort of instilled in you through the course of being a rogue player that you're constantly like, right, I'm not playing, so I need to improve something. And it's just constant. Oh, I have to keep improving. Yeah, so you, you and, you have, playing, and you have to keep a self-esteem yeah. up as well. Without, yeah, and it's like, with oh, well, I am to... playing, but... If I'm playing, he's going to be chasing me down. Yeah. So I have to keep improving. Yeah. Um, so psychological resilience and, and sort yeah. of ability to detach yourself from yeah. it as well. Like I have a lot of conversations with my wife about her workplace. And she, she works at a private hospital in, in just administration, the finance okay. um, department. And she'll tell me stuff that's going on. I'm just like, well, if that person's not very good at their job, why haven't they been fired? Yeah. She's like, because you can't just do that. Like, why not? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's interesting. And like, some, of the, some of the stuff, and I'm just like, well, employment law and surely they should yeah. just like be better yeah <laughs> surely they should want to be yeah you better. realize how inefficient a lot of workplaces yeah. are yeah and it, it infuriates me i think if i if i worked somewhere i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to do that i think no um, no but yeah and it, it kind of it does it almost makes it scary because it makes you realize how different might be on something of, entrepreneurial like a business scene I well i think so, that yeah. would that would be that would be ideal and i'm starting to look at what that could be 
Um, yeah. And I think that worked better as well because then I can choose something that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, and um, self-motivated as well. You've got to yeah. keep high standards. Which exactly. Is, yeah. And I think as long as it's something that I am interested in, then that will motivate me and I'll be able to put everything into it and and hopefully make it succeed. So I'm sure you will, It's mate. interesting. We've got years to go now anyway. Hopefully well, win a European Cup with Gloucester or something. Yeah, you know, fingers crossed. That'd be, that'd be good, yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Appreciate you, your time and being nice. I know you've got to get to the pool now and have a recovery day. So <laughs> yeah. get those uh, those limbs in there, get in the sauna. Yeah, plenty of strains on my time today. But no, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you. Nice.